welcome back to AI Ideas with Graham Culbertson, the show about ideas for AI that sit halfway between poetry and mathematics. This is another edition of Bits and Bytes, a short episode about a single idea called machine slavery. Conversations about slavery are pretty much infinitely fraught, especially in 21st century America. The American South, in fact, is where I live. So I would love to avoid the question of slavery on this podcast, but the question of slavery and robots cannot be avoided. As you might have heard, the word robot comes from this masterpiece by the Czech playwright Karl Čapek, R-U-R, or Rossum's Universal Robots. And the robots in this are like uh, the replicants in Blade Runner, artificially constructed flesh, as opposed to uh, made of circuitry and metal. And robot, the word, actually means slave. Now you would assume that Chapek wouldn't use the word slave to mean slave, given that he is Slavic. And the word slave just means Slavic. You can understand that Slavs don't use that word to mean slave. The word robot has its roots in this Czech word that is related to forced labor, a form of serfdom. Serfdom being another form of slavery. At this point, I have to say, if you're an American, I think you just are going to need to suspend your sense of what the word slave or slavery mean. Presumably, you're thinking person of African descent held as chattel between 1619 and 1865 in one of the colonies or states of the United States. And while I think that's actually probably too simplistic of an understanding of slavery in the American context, it is way, way too limited to be any use to us when we are thinking about machine slavery. I will put um, in the show notes, since I mentioned it, uh, an article by the historian Nell Irvin Painter for what's wrong with some of the more simplistic understandings of American slavery, uh, like the ones in the New York Times 1619 project, for example. You can check out the Painter article, and I think she, I think she will open your mind about American slavery. But for the purposes of this podcast, in this broader sense of slavery, a sense of slavery that goes as far back as humanity goes, as opposed to just to 1619, slavery more or less means forced labor. It means a person who has to work for someone else as opposed to for their own benefit. So using this loose sense of slavery, most people in most civilizations in recorded history have been slaves. Farmers are not slaves if they own their own land, but everyone who has a boss, a master, someone higher up for them in the authority who gets the money from their labor and then pays them some sort of wages is a version of a slave. This means modern day factory workers, even if they are paid pretty well, are slaves in that they have no choice to work, If they don't work, they starve, but they are not working for themselves. Especially when they have inhumane and cruel conditions, we tend to call them wage slaves. But the anthropologist David Graeber argues that even white-collar workers fit the definition of slavery used by the ancient Greeks. They're bossed around and told what to do, and if they quit, they starve, unless they find a new master who bosses them around and tells them what to do. There's no real choice, and you're never working for yourself. Again, you're probably thinking, under that definition, pretty much everyone is a slave. Well, (laughs) Graeber drew some pretty radical conclusions. He wants you thinking that. All right, leaving Graeber aside for now. With this broad understanding of slavery, we can examine the crux of the problem of the robot in Chapek's play. Forced 
labor is how we get the stuff we like in civilization. But we also think slavery is bad. So we need machines that we can force to labor without enslaving them in that sense of restricting the freedom of the person. So the dream of a robot, in fact, that's what the word means, is someone who can do work like a human, but isn't a human and therefore isn't a person. But over and over again, yes, in RUR, but also in Blade Runner and also in Star Trek, the automatons who can work like people end up considering themselves people. And then if you force them to work, you are enslaving them after all. So creating a human-like robot, which is what you need to do human-like labor, just recreates slavery. This is one question that AI research needs to answer and needs to answer desperately. Is it possible to create artificial beings who can do most of the drudgery of human labor without achieving so much personhood that enslaving these machines is enslaving people? Rather than trying to make artificial people, this is precisely what Dan Dennett thinks the goal of AI should be. Non-human or subhuman minds that are neither conscious nor sentient nor whatever, but smart enough to take the burden of labor off of humans. Here's Dennett. I think a lot of people just assume that the way to make AIs more intelligent is to make them more human. But I think that's a very dubious assumption. We're much better off with tools than with colleagues. We can make tools that are smart as the dickens and use them and understand what their limitations are without giving them ulterior motives, purposes, a drive to exist and to compete and to beat the others. Those are features that don't play any crucial role in the competences of artificial intelligence. So for heaven's sakes, don't bother putting them in. Now, I'm not actually convinced it's possible to build AI this smart without any of those drives. I have lots of thoughts about this idea. That's going to have to be a different episode. For now, I think we should stipulate that if this is possible, it seems like a sensible goal. Machines that eliminate the need for human slavery without reinventing slavery. And here's someone else who expressed this same idea. The anarchist playwright and essayist Oscar Wilde. Up to the present, man has been, to a certain extent, the slave of machinery. And there is something tragic in the fact that as soon as man had invented a machine to do his work, he began to starve. This, however, is of course the result of our property system and our system of competition. One man owns a machine which does the work of 500 men. 500 men are in consequence thrown out of employment and, having no work to do, become hungry and take to thieving. The one man secures the produce of the machine and keeps it, and has 500 times as much as he should have, and probably, which is of much more importance, a great deal more than he really wants. Were that machine the property of all, everyone would benefit by it. It would be an immense advantage to the community. All unintellectual labor, all monotonous, dull labor, all labor that deals with dreadful things and involves unpleasant conditions must be done by machinery. Machinery must work for us in coal mines and do all sanitary services and be the stoker of steamers and clean the streets and run messages on wet days and do anything that is tedious or distressing. At present, machinery competes against man. Under proper conditions, machinery will serve man. There is no doubt at all that this is the future of machinery. And just as trees grow while the country gentleman is asleep, so while humanity will be amusing itself or enjoying cultivated leisure, which, and not labor, is the aim of man, or making beautiful things or reading beautiful things, 
or simply contemplating the world with admiration and delight, machinery will be doing all the necessary and unpleasant work. As you may have noticed, and this was the case back then and now, we actually have enough stuff in the world that no one needs to starve. In fact, we have more stuff than we've ever had before, and yet we have more poverty than we've ever had before. Thanks to machinery, all the problems of human physical needs have been solved. Ironically, Wilde says, starvation and the age of the machine go hand in hand, but that's a political problem. It was capitalism all along. Or, as Wilde says, it's, quote, the result of our property system. And if we want to have a beautiful society, one filled with the good things that humans like, like making beautiful things or reading beautiful things, we need someone else to do the work for us. But we need it to be machines unless it's going to be slavery. And Wilde argues that all the beautiful things from the past are the result of slavery. Again, using the expansive definition of slavery that Graeber is linking to. Here's Wilde. The fact is, civilization requires slaves. The Greeks were quite right there. Unless there are slaves to do the ugly, horrible, uninteresting work, culture and contemplation become almost impossible. Human slavery is wrong, insecure, and demoralizing. On mechanical slavery, on the slavery of the machine, the future of the world depends. And when scientific men are no longer called upon to go down to a depressing East End and distribute bad cocoa and worse blankets to starving people, they will have delightful leisure in which to devise wonderful and marvelous things for their own joy and the joy of everyone else. There will be great storages of force for every city and for every house if required, and this force man will convert into heat, light, or motion, according to his needs. Is this utopian? A map of the world that does not include utopia is not worth even glancing at, for it leaves out the one country at which humanity is always landing. And when humanity lands there, it looks out and, seeing a better country, sets sail. Progress is the realization of utopias. So, according to Wilde, slavery is utterly necessary for a civilization of beautiful things, and slavery is horrible if it's done to humans. A utopia is a world in which slavery exists, but it exists for machines who do not have personhood. Is this possible? Can humans create new minds which hear enough of the hum of humanity that they do what we want them to, but do not share enough forms of life with us that we don't need to feel bad about enslaving them? Like I said, I don't actually think so. I don't think this utopia could actually exist. But in the meantime, while we don't know if it's possible or not, it does seem like a utopia worth sailing towards. This has been another edition of Bits and Bytes from A Ideas. Please believe in other minds. <laughs>